Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could be here. You're listening to the second part of our series called Hope. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, enjoy. To say it's an honor to speak this morning, and I believe that God has a word for us. So I'm going to be in Mark chapter 12 this morning. Starting in verse 41, it says this. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. You need to understand that whenever Jesus sits down, he's about to teach. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came in and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They have given out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. I want to call our message this morning, the heart of giving, the heart of giving. You guys can clap your hands for the worship team. Thank you so much, worship team. And you guys can take a seat. So glad you guys could be here, honored uh, and privileged to be here. This, uh, this last week, uh, for Christy and I, very special week. Uh, we celebrated one month of living in St. Albert. Come on, somebody. Living in this beautiful city for a month. And we love it here. Uh, we got no complaints except the fact that the garbage is picked up every two weeks. Um, we have two babies, two sets of diapers. And so if any of you guys has any pull uh, in the higher-ups... But we love, we love being here. Um, our home, uh, such an amazing home. It was built in uh, 1997, this new house that we live in. And so um, all, all the great stuff that comes with the 90s house and uh, all the stuff maybe like you don't love quite as much. And so uh, what we did is we decided to, to update some things, freshen up some things in our house. And so one of the things that we did, um, there was a kitchenette in our basement. And we decided uh, that we aren't making our space into a rental property uh, we got a kitchen upstairs. We don't need a kitchen in our basement. And so despite what all of our friends and family encouraged us to do, we got rid of it. And so uh, what we did was that, uh, <laughs> I'll let you guys know something. If you guys were here, how many of you guys here for part one last week of Hope? Yeah. A few people. <clears throat> so good. If you were here last week, uh, I told you guys that I love HGTV. Uh, now, just because I watch HGTV doesn't mean I can do the things that they do on HGTV. And so in order to take out uh, this kitchenette in our basement, I had to call in uh, some reinforcements. And so I called my friends, uh, Tito and Josh, because they're handymen. And one of the ways that we knew they were handymen and that I was not a handyman is that as soon as we started working, uh, we compared our drills. <laughs> and so the three of us had drills, and uh, mine was blue and theirs were red, and so... At <laughs> You know, I'm thinking, like, I have a manly drill. It's blue. But as soon as, like, I touched Tito's drill, I, I yielded a power I've never yielded before. <laughs> and, like, my hand, like, literally shot back. And at that moment, I was like, wait a second. Like, these are real drills. Yeah. Like, what do I have? Yeah. Like, where did I get this? Well, my mom got it for me. And <laughs> it's, a, it's a moving out present. Uh, so that might have been uh, my first mistake. But we decided to take out this kitchenette. And so uh, about an hour, hour and a half into taking this kitchenette out, uh, Christy, she wasn't there, my wife, she FaceTimed me because she wanted to see the progress. 
And so she FaceTimed me, and uh, she's like, let me see, let me see. And so I turned the camera around, and she's like, you guys haven't done anything. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> We've done quite a bit. Now, when, when I showed her uh, all that was done, the reason uh, that it kind of looked like there wasn't a lot being done is because we were moving kind of slow. And uh, there was a reason that we were moving kind of slow. It's because uh, at the start, Tito, um, who was there, you know, with his manly drills, uh, he, he was drilling out, taking these cabinets out of the wall. Um, but for every single time, every single cabinet he would put uh, the, the drill into, he would take out a screw and he would do it kind of easily. And then he would say, okay, Harrison, now you do it. And so I'd say, okay, give me the drill. And so I would do it and I would struggle fiercely. And, like, I was, like, shaking around, like, putting holes in th- and And so, like, every single step that we took, like, it was one step forward, one step backwards because then I would do something. And so the reason when Christy called and the reason it was taking longer is because I was learning some things. Come on, somebody. And so it was taking a little bit of time. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie. At the start, and the more that he kept trying to give me this drill, the more that he kept trying to tell me to do these things, I began to have these thoughts in my head. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? You can do this better than me. If I was handy, I wouldn't have called you over. Like, you do this. You can do this better than me. You can do this faster than me. You can do this more efficient than me. But nevertheless, no matter what it was, he said, okay, now you do it. Now you do it. And it was really cool. By the end of taking out that kitchenette, I had done some things I'd never done before. I'd never taken out cabinets before. I had never cut a pipe before. I had never used a handsaw before. I had never cut out a backsplash before. And so I was able to do all of these cool things, even though it took a little bit longer. Come on, somebody. And so what happens now is that room uh, that we took out the kitchenette, what we decided to do was we made it a playroom. Uh, for our two little babies. And uh, it's really cool because every single time now I go down there and I lay with them and we play with their toys and their little fake kitchen. We replace the big kitchen with the toy kitchen. Every single time I go down there, I have the satisfaction to know that I played a part in making this space. Like I go down there and I'm like, man, this space would not have been there without me. And I feel really good about it. Come on, somebody. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story is because I want to point out a truth that I believe uh, is vital to our understanding of human beings. As people, we were not created to sit on the sidelines. As people, we were created to get into the game. As a church, as a people, God has not created us just to consume, but to contribute. The heart of a believer is not to consume, it's to contribute. Now, now one more time, can you just make some noise if you were here for our year-end offer, for for, for Hope Part 1. Hope Part 1, last week. So good. Now, I almost got ahead of myself, but the reason that I'm so excited for this series, and the reason that we do this series, this is a tradition that we have at this church, is that we end our year with a a faith series, and then, and then the end of the series, we top it off with a year-end offering. And the reason that we take this offering on December 12th and 13th, which is next weekend, is because what we believe is that at this moment in time, God is giving us a chance to not just be consumers, but a chance to be contributors. You see, what's so interesting, I think that we all know this intrinsically, it feels good to give. It feels good. Anyone, like, it feels good to give. 
The Bible says it like this. It says, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The blessing is in giving. Now, what's interesting is because we're, we're in this time, 2020, come on somebody, 2020 has been a year. And we're in this time where for so many people, I think we're going to look back at 2020, and for so many people, they're going to look at this year and say, man, 2020, what could have been? Or 2020, the year that I lost so much. 2020, the year of missed opportunities. The year of I wish it was like this. I wish it was like that. Now, the reason I'm so excited for, for this time, and I just believe it's so timely as a church that we're in this season of giving, is I believe that God is giving us a chance to redefine this year. I believe that God is giving us a chance to call this year something different. In a year where so many of us are calling it hopeless, I wonder if as a church we could begin to call it hopeful. Now, it's funny because I think intrinsically, again, like I said, we know it's good to give. We want to give. But all of us have that thing in our heart. You know what it is? It's like, I want to give, but. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, I want to give, but you should see my bank account. It's like, I want to give, but this year was not the way that I thought it was going to be. And I just, I can't, I want to give, but I want a new outfit. I, I want to give, but I have to furnish my new home. I want to give, but I just don't have enough. I want to give, but. You see, the blessing is in giving. And we know as a people, we were created to contribute. Yet for so many of us, we have a reason as to why we can't give. It's, it's our butt. And so what I want to do in this series and what we're going to do next week, come on somebody, is we are going to take control of our own destiny. No one is going to call this year anything other than what we want to call it. And I believe in a time of darkness, God is calling us to bring hope. He's calling us to bring hope. And so what I want to do this morning, because for so many of us, I know you want to bring hope. I know you want to contribute. I know you want to give, but the reality is, it's like, Pastor, I just don't know how. I just don't know how to do it. I just don't know if I can do it. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to tell us how to give. But even more so, and even more importantly than how to give, I want to explain why we give and the purpose behind it. Because I just believe this to be true. Generosity isn't an amount it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Is anyone awake in the church this morning? So what I want to do is I want to study a passage of scripture in the book of Mark chapter 12. And this is a story, and it's a really cool story because it's all about Jesus and Jesus is in it. But I believe in this story it speaks to the heart of generosity. Now this story is found twice in the Bible. It's found in the book of Mark and it's found in the book of Luke. And in both times this story is very small. And what I love about short stories, especially the ones concerning Jesus, is that when the story is short, what that is letting us know is that every single detail is important. And so what we're going to see in this story is a contrast of two characters and two people, two different types of people giving and two different types of people that elicit a very different response from Jesus. But in this, and if we really get into this story, we will understand the heart of giving. Anyone ready to go this morning? 
Mark chapter 12, it says this again. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor woman came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents, calling his disciples. Jesus says, all right, boys, come here. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Now, as I said, short story, scant on details. And I think when we look at this story, I think we can get a surface understanding. If we just read it quickly, because it's almost like a parable, right? Like, what's the moral of the story? Slow and steady wins the race. Now, for some of us, when we look at the story on the surface, it's like, okay, I I think I get it. Because Jesus is saying that this widow has given more than the guys that gave a lot. So maybe what Jesus is saying is that it's not about how much you have necessarily. It's how much you give in relativity to how much you have. Like That must be the moral of the story, right? Like if I have a little bit, but I give, that's a lot. Now, that's true, but I would say it's kind of like a surface way of reading this story. Now, what I love about the stories of Jesus is that there's so many meanings to unpack. But what I want to do is I want to dig a little deeper. I want to dig a little deeper because some of us, like maybe next level, it's like, okay, well, uh, when, when you're wealthy, it's easier to be greedy. And when you're poor, it's easier to be generous. Maybe that's the meaning of the story. But the reality is this. I've met poor people that are greedy and rich people that are very, very generous. So I think there must be something more. We're, we're going to go below the details, because I believe this to be true. This story has nothing to do with an amount of money. I want us to understand this. So many of us, when we think about giving, we think about the amount. It's about the amount, the amount, the amount. This story has nothing to do with amount. It has all to do with the heart. It's about the heart. And so I want to read verse 41 again, but I want to read from a different translation, because I think that'll show us something that maybe we missed reading the other translation. Mark chapter 12, verse 41, it says it like this. It says, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And you used to see this. It says, Jesus saw, what's that word? How. Jesus saw how the people put money into the treasury. Now, what I said off the top is that every time Jesus is going to sit Jesus is putting himself in a posture to teach. And I love Jesus because before he ever says anything, he observes. This is just a rule of life. Observe before you speak. But Jesus is there, and the Bible says that Jesus saw how the people gave. This is so important because what this lets us know is this lets us know the purpose for Jesus being there. The reason that Jesus was there was so he could see how the people gave. Understand this. Jesus was not there in order to see what the people gave. For some people, it's like, I think Jesus is there just sizing them up. Like, all right, let's see what Simeon gave this year. All right, Issachar, is that 10% before or after taxes? Like, the reason that Jesus is there has nothing to do with an amount. I want us to understand this. Jesus is there to look at how the people gave. Write this one down. Generosity is never about how much we give. It's about how we give. It's about how we give. You see, I think 
intrinsically we know, you know, generosity isn't about an amount, but a lot of times at church we make it about an amount. And the way that we do that is when we say things that are seemingly sound good, right? Like if you have a little, just give a little and it's still a lot. But when we do that, what are we doing? We're making it all about an amount. Jesus isn't so much worried about the, about how much we give, but about how we give. Put it another way, Jesus is more concerned about why we give. It's about why we give. And so what we're going to see in this story, it has nothing to do with the amount, but everything to do with the heart posture. Can I show you guys a few, a few important details that can really bring this out? We read this, sorry, I'm going to read it again. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And look what it says. It says, he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Now, for a lot of us, we get stuck with large amounts. But what we really need to see is the word throw, which is it's the Greek word balo, which literally means to throw. And so what the Bible is trying to let us know is that they threw their offering into the collection bin. Now, you need to understand something. At this time, there was no such thing as dollar dollar bill, yo. Like, there was no cash. There was no check. There was no envelope. There was no interact. There was no tithely. There was no e-transfer. All of the amazing ways to give at Kingdom Church. They didn't have all those things back then. They had one way to give, and it was coins. And so they would put the coins into the temple treasury. Now, I know we have a young, vibrant, good-looking church. A lot of Gen Z's in the church, and so I know I need to educate you because a lot of you guys don't remember coins. <laughs> we used to have this thing, it was so crazy, called a penny. It's worth one cent. I know, talk to your parents. Now, I want us to understand something about coins, and I had a first-hand experience with coins like two weeks ago. My mom came to my house, and she's like, hey, Harrison, I was in your old room, and I rolled up a whole bunch of coins. And as soon as she said coins, I was like, oh, my gosh, no. And so she comes into my office with this huge, big thing of coins. And she clunks it on my desk. She's like, here, I got this for you. And I'm like, ma, thanks, but no thanks. And she's like, no, wait. She's like, it's probably about like 100 to $200. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. And she's like, yeah, just take it. You know, buy yourself something nice. Maybe get your Christmas shopping done. And I'm like, okay. And so I start to count the coins. And as I count the coins, there's a whole lot of pennies there. And as I get to count, it's actually more like $26. <laughs> and so I'm like, Mom, take these coins. And she's like, sorry, bye. And she leaves. <laughs> now, the reason I'm telling you guys this is because you need to understand something about coins. They're big, they're loud, and they're obnoxious. And so when we look at this story and the Bible says they're throwing their coins, what it's trying to let us know is it has nothing to do with an amount, but it's all about how they are giving. And how they are giving, they are making themselves into a spectacle. And so as they're dumping that money in and it's clinging and it's clanging, the more it clings, the more it clangs, the more people can see, wow, that person is generous. Wow, that person has a heart for giving. And so, look, 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 I want us to understand this. Every single time the people gave that Jesus is about to say something against, they were giving with the expectation that they were going to be getting something in return. They were going to be getting looks. 
They were going to be getting applause. They were going to be getting just this reputation. I'm someone that gives. I'm, I'm, I'm a generous person. I'm a generous person. You need to understand something. Anytime we are giving to get something, we have missed the point. Now, for a lot of us, it's like Harrison, like, what do you, what do you mean? Because, you, you know, giving here at this church is really anonymous. Like most of our giving comes, you know, through, through, through um, electronic means. So no one knows how much I give. And if I'm giving coins in the pack, you know I'm struggling. What do you mean? Like, I don't really understand, like, how this applies to us. And I want us to understand, for most of us, maybe we don't give with the expectation that other people are going to give us something back, be it looks, be it approval. But I wonder, listen to this, church, I wonder how many of us are giving with the expectation that God's going to give us something in return. You see, I want to free us from something here, church. And I want you to understand, first and foremost, this church our ministry, everything that we do, all of the amazing outreach, none of it will be possible without the people that faithfully give. Without the people that sow into this place and say, man, I'm believing God wants to do something with this. But I want to release people from something because if there's anyone in this place that the reason that they give is because they believe I need to give in order for God to approve of me, we've missed the point. We've missed the point. And this is really big for, I'm going to speak to people that grew up in church because for a lot of people that grow up in church, the only reason they give is because they think they have to. Well, I give because I need God's approval. If I don't give, God won't be happy. Like I know what the Bible says, I need to give a certain amount, otherwise I'm not being faithful. The reality is this, it's never about what we get. And here's a deeper truth, you could never give God something. God doesn't need anything. Listen, for some of us, it's like, well, well, well actually, I just give because I think God's going to bless me. Like, if I give, then God's going to give me a new house, a new spouse, a new job. <laughs> like, that's why I give. But the reality is, is any time we give with something attached, we've missed the point. If we're given so other people can see how generous we are, we have missed the point. We've missed the point. And guess what? Here's the beauty of Christianity as opposed to religion. Because religion says, I do in order that I get something. Christianity says, I got something, and so everything I do flows from that. You see, New Testament giving never frames it around an amount. It's always framed around the heart. It's the heart. You want to understand New Testament giving? I'll give you a simple verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says this. He says, you must decide. In your heart, how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. How much do Christians give? What's the answer, pastor? You decide. You decide. And I love this. He says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I want you to understand something. As a church, when we take our offering next week, we are believing it is going to bring hope. But only give if it gives you hope. Don't give in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And here's the reality. When the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive, if you're giving hoping to receive something, you'll never actually receive anything. You'll miss the blessing. You see, the story in Mark is not about an amount. It's about the heart behind it. Jesus was looking at how they gave. 
Now, for some of us, it's like, well, if there's not like a certain amount of money, if there's not a, a percentage that I'm supposed to give, how do I know how to give? Why do I give in the first place? Can I answer it as a Christian? The reason that we give and why we give is so simple, and it's this. The Bible tells us that because of our sin, listen to this, and our shame, we have been separated from God. And there is this chasm. There is this chasm that is so great, it is so wide, it is so deep, that there is actually nothing that you can do in order to gain God's approval. And so what that means is you're doomed. Unless, listen to this, unless there was someone, unless there was something that could bridge the gap. Who can bridge a God-sized gap other than God himself? And this is what Christmas is. It's God coming down and God coming in the flesh as a baby, coming as Emmanuel, God with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? So he could bridge the gap. And what happens as the story goes is that Jesus pays the ultimate price. And he dies for our sins. And the Bible says that all who believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. All we need to do to gain God's approval is simply believe that Jesus paid it all. Now listen to this, church, if you're not excited enough yet. What that means is that if Jesus paid it all, how foolish, how stupid, how backward thinking of me to think I could ever pay an amount in order that it makes up for what God has done. It doesn't make any sense. We don't give in order to get because Jesus has already given us everything. So we switch our mind. And the reason that we give, we say, man, God has given me so much. I just want to give back, not for approval, not so people can look at me, not so God will love me more. I just want to give because Jesus gave me everything, and I have hope. And when I have hope, when I have a future, when I know the plans that God has for me, it's spilling out of me. I want others to have hope. That's why we exist as a church. That's why we're taking a hope offering is to give hope to the hopeless. It reframes everything. Listen, 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 listen. If Jesus is truly Lord and Savior, everything that I have is his. It's all his. My finances, my time, my treasure. And if it's all his, why do I ever think that I'm giving God something? It's already his. What I'm saying is, God, you have control. You do this. You do it. And so the Bible says in Mark 12, 43, it says a poor widow came. And put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. She didn't throw it in. There's no spectacle. She just puts in her offering. Jesus calls his disciples to him. He says, truly I tell you, the poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth. Listen, look at this. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. You know what's so interesting I think is very intentional? We don't hear anything about this widow. We don't know what happened to her. We don't know if she ever had an ROI on her investment. She just gave. She gave with no strings attached. She gave because she realized everything that I have is God's. 
And so I want to give. Nothing is mine. My life is yours, Jesus. I'm a living sacrifice. Doesn't say a word. And Jesus says that person gets it. She gets it. She understands it. And I love what it says. He says she gave out of her poverty. Out of her. What does that mean? You see, for so many of us, we frame giving around convenience. And so what we say for so many of us, like, I understand giving, but I just can't. I just don't have enough. I'm just, I'm just lacking. Listen, Jesus said she gave from what she had, not from what she hoped she had. This is what I have. This is what I'm going to give. Listen to this, church. So many of us, I spoke at the top, we're on the sidelines. We're on the sidelines. And we see the game. And it's like, man, that game looks so good. And next week, I promise, I've been teasing. I'm going to just tell you so many stories of God's faithfulness. But we only see the faithfulness in the game. On the sidelines, you just get it's a different view. But for so many of us, it's like, man, I'm just going to wait until it makes sense to give. I'm going to wait until I have a little bit more. I'm going to wait until I make 50 grand a year. I'm going to wait until I make 75, 100. I'm going to wait until I have four shifts a week instead of three. I'm just going to wait until it makes sense, until my circumstance changes. Here's the thing that we learn from this widow. Generosity isn't a circumstance. It's a choice. She gave out of her poverty. She gave where she was at. Listen, generosity is never about an amount. If we make it about an amount, can I tell you something? Why would there ever be a good time? Let, let me speak logically. Why would there ever be a good time to take something away from you and give it to someone else? Because the reality is there will always be more expenses. There will always be more things that you could buy. You could always have a better car, a bigger house. You could always do, there will never be a good time but the beauty is generosity in the heart of it it's never about a circumstance it's about a choice it's about a choice to say I'm going to do this listen for so many of us we view it like man I was never able to give I'm not able to give the reality is this we can all do it we just have to make the choice we have to take the first step it's like we have we have twin babies and you've seen those cute girls before no one um, <laughs> who's been holding them in the lobby all this time. Um, and, and it's funny because they're, they're identical girls. And so like genetically and biologically, like they're the same. They got the same dimensions. I mean, Abby's head's a little bigger, love her. Um, but very close. Uh, but what's really interesting is that uh, right now, Kensley is able to walk. Now it's like four steps, four cute steps but she's able to walk. Abigail, she's not able to walk. But what's weird is that they can stand and they can both stand and they both have the exact same balance. They both have the exact same height. Everything is the same. So we know there is no genetical excuse. There's just one difference. There's one difference and that's Kensley was willing to take the first step. Whereas Abby was a little bit too scared to take the first step. But what happened after Kensley took the first step is she took the second step and the third step and the fourth. And I think four is the record. Maybe, maybe six now. It's going up. And the reason I'm telling you guys this is because I want us to understand something when it comes to generosity. A lot of times it's just taking the first step. It's taking the first step. 
Because for so many times, we're looking at other people and it's like, well, if I was like them, I would give. If I was like them, I'd be generous. If I was just making this amount, I would be generous. And so for so many of us are waiting for a circumstance, but we never take the first step. What I want to tell you when it comes to generosity and what I want to say to Abby is you have what you need. It's there. Can I tell you something interesting, though? Kensley, a lot of times she'll have, like, bruises on her face. If you've seen her, like, cuts. And the reason is because she face plants a lot. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Abby's just, like, glowing. I want you to understand something. When you take the first step, you're probably going to fall. It's hard. It's hard. There's pain that comes with it. Listen, when we give, I'm not going to say when you give, God's going to double your investment. I don't believe that's biblical. Can I tell you something? When you give, maybe you can't go to Starbucks four times a week. And that hurts because they can brew it better than you. (laughs) Or my Starbucks crew at back there. Shout out everywhere. And they're everywhere, literally. Um, <laughs> Listen, when you step out, there's always a cost. <laughs> Maybe it's like no longer delivery, it's delicio for a little while. But <laughs> bring me back, Jesus. The reality is this. Unless we take that first step, we will never be able to see what's on the other side. You see, there's a reason that the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And what that means is that there is a blessing on the other side. But that blessing might come with some bumps. And it might look different. And it might actually look like you have less money than before. Generally speaking, mathematically speaking, when you give away money, you have less than before. But the Bible says there's a blessing on the other side. Matthew 6 puts it like this. This is Jesus speaking again. He says, store for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You see, for so many of us, and I think this goes beyond finances and this is kind of the marker of 2020, we put our hope in things. We put our hope in people. We put our hope in policies, whatever it may be. But what Jesus says, all of these things fade. They go away. They're not going to be here forever. Listen, money fades. So Jesus says, why don't you store up your treasures in heaven? Why don't you put your trust in me? Why don't you put it in a place where things will not go away? Why don't you give your heart to me? You see, the reason that as a church we need to speak about generosity is because so many times our hearts are tied to our money. And Jesus says, why don't you untie it and why don't you give it to me? No matter how much it is, how why don't you give it to me? Because I will give you something in return, something that does not fade. You see, next week, I believe this church, as we take our year-end offering for the third time, come on, the third time. In Kingdom Church history. And I just have, I'm just so excited for next week. But I believe that next week can be a springboard for people. Now for those of us who faithfully give, I believe that next week will be a springboard for you to say, you know what, I'm no longer going to be constrained to whatever I think I should. I'm just going to let God go. Whatever God says, I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to listen. Listen to this church. One thing that we do next week, we take a physical offering. 
like we actually have the boxes and we have this moment of worship and it's, it's amazing. But I encourage this, especially if like maybe you're writing a check. What if you don't fill it out until you get here? And you say, Jesus, hey, what are you saying? I'm available. It's, it's all yours. And it doesn't matter the amount. It's just more that active obedience to say, Jesus, you're in control. I think for a lot of us that give, this will be a springboard. Now, for those of us who have never given, and it's like, I don't even feel like I, I have. For those of us, it's going to be something brand new. But my hope is that this is also a springboard, not for a one-time gift, but for a life of generosity. For a life of saying, Jesus, my everything is yours, my time, my talent, my treasures. You can have it all. Jesus, I'm storing it up with you. Now, listen, 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 listen. For a lot of us, like maybe we feel something emotionally. It's like, that feels good, but I just like, Harrison, I can't. Like, you don't know. You just don't know. I want you to understand something. If you're waiting for your emotions to catch up, your emotions will never get there. So write this one down as my last point. Your emotions will always catch up with your obedience. Your emotions will always catch up with your obedience. And so what that means is when I'm obedient to God, I don't always have to feel it, but I just take that first step in faith. If Abby waits for the rest of her life to take that first step, wait until she feels ready, she'll never take it. But your emotions will eventually catch up to your obedience. And I believe the blessing of God is on the other side. Now, I'll tell a story, and I've told it before in many different ways, but I tell it to give glory to God. When, when we started this church, um, I had to uh, leave my job. I quit my job. And so for us as, as a family, that means we went from two salaries to one salary. Um, and that was scary. Come on, somebody. Like, we were never struggling, but that was still scary because, like, that's literally half of what you had. And so we started our church, and we started meeting in our basement, and right around that time, um, our tax return came in. And so we were like, thank you, Jesus. And uh, yeah, as a pastor, you get blessed, right, um, for your taxes and clergy deduction, all these things. And so we were really happy because um, it was, you know, a little extra money to help us go through this season. Um, and so we got this money, and our church wasn't really even started. We were just in our basement. Uh, but when we got this money, I kind of had this urge, and it was from the Lord. And it was something that I never experienced before because we had always given faithfully, but we had never given spontaneously. But we got this money back, and immediately I felt God say that I need to give the whole thing to the church. And at first I was like, Jesus, is that you or someone else? But it's funny because I remember it very specifically. I remember, I remember it so specifically that what the God said and when I shared it with Christy and I just said this, if we wait until we feel like we can do it, we'll never do it. We just have to do it. And so we gave. And when we gave that money, God did not give us something in return. He did not increase our bank account. But one thing, and I tell this all the time, in the very first year and a half of our church, I didn't take a salary. As a church, giving wasn't exactly fantastic. But never once was I ever worried. I was never worried about our church. I was never worried about our own finances at home. And I believe the reason that I did that, and I believe the reason that God called me to give was because if I put my trust in him in that, it would give me faith for everything. Because where your heart is, and so I want to, encourage us in this moment because for so many of us we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting 
Listen, if I was waiting for the peace, I would never get it. But the peace came on the other side. The miracle is always on the other side. That's the heart of giving. It's to say, Jesus, everything is yours. I'm available. What, what are you calling me to give? Listen to this, church. Next week, we have an opportunity to bring hope and to bring healing. It's not just hope for the people that aren't in this place, but I believe it'll bring you hope. I believe it'll give you peace. And so I'm just so excited for what God's going to do next week. And I just want to pray over all of us right now. Can we just stand here, church? I want to pray for anyone in this moment. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to, I want to release some people. I want to release people, anyone in this room that ever felt like I have to give God something. Everyone that's, every, anyone that's ever felt like I owe God something, like I need to pay back a debt. Anyone that has ever said, I just give because the Bible says. I want to pray for you in this moment. Anyone in this room, and you feel like, man, I just, I can't give because like it's just, it has this grip on my heart and, and I want to, but I just can't. I want to pray for you. If you're in this place right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, God, I want you to have control. I want to give it to you in this season. I encourage you to open up your hands because I just want to pray and I want us to receive this as a church. God, I pray in this space that you bring us back to the heart of giving. I pray, Lord, that our eyes are so fixed on you that everything that we do is an outflow, not from what we need to bring, but from what you've already done. God, I pray for anyone in this room that needs freedom, that needs freedom from religion, that needs freedom from thinking it's something they have to do. I pray for freedom, Lord. I pray for freedom for anyone that doesn't feel like they can go on, anyone that feels like I'm just living week to week. I'm not going to make it, God. I want freedom. I pray freedom. God, for those of us in this room, I pray a blessing. For those of us online, I pray a blessing to receive this message, to receive this word. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. I just want to make one more call, one more appeal. If there's anyone in this room and you're saying, Harrison, you know what? I've never fully given my life to Jesus. I've never made that decision before. If you want to just follow Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed one more time. We don't want to embarrass you. We don't want to call you out. We just want to give you the opportunity to respond. You say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. Today is the day. This is the day. If that's is you online, you want to follow Jesus, you want to give everything to him, I want you to raise your hand in this room, in your living rooms, wherever you are. You say, I just want to give my life to Jesus. Let's just pray this together. Everyone say, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me, and thank you for choosing me. I give you my everything. I give you my wins, and I give you my sins. Today, God, make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we clap our hands? Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca and fill out a connect card. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.